Back to another episode of Supercoach Insider. My name is Ben. And I'm Swizz. And uh, thank you for joining us. This is the GWS podcast, the Carlton Feeder Club. Thank you for joining me, Swizz. We are touching on mainly a bit of draft relevance, some standard relevance, and those we're looking at in leading into our rookie podcast. Before we move on, find us on our socials, Supercoach uh, SC Insider 100 on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, you can also find us on all the audio platforms, so Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, you name it, and on the YouTube. Search for a Supercoach Insider. Now, Swizz, need to give a little shout-out. First of all, Shane Milroy, my man, Shane Milroy, giving me some beer funds. Chris isn't here to enjoy them at the moment, so that leads into our next comment about um, Christopher. But, SC, um, so Shane, mate, on the George podcast, I actually smashed over a few yesterday, so I'll share that on the YouTube as well. And I smashed over a few beverages on that one, and I will be enjoying those more in the upcoming future, probably tomorrow night if Chris decides to join us. Swizz, a bit upsetting, mate. We we agree too much. Oh, absolutely. You know, we need Chris's shit banter because he doesn't offer a lot more, much else at the moment um, with his lack of research that he's probably done in this preseason, but I can forgive him for that. He's back on the dating scene and uh, with his beautiful partner, and uh, yeah, he spends a bit of time with with her, so yeah, it'd be good to get him back just to have somebody give us some shit opinions and somebody we can argue with because, you know, unfortunately, great minds think alike and uh, you and I, Benny, seem to agree on a lot of things. Oh, mate, Chris is opinionated at the, the best of time, for better or for worse. That's why I love Chris. He loves it. He's opinionated and he's always passionate. Uh, he's about as passionate as Dom Sheed was from the boundary line in that grand final. But um, and the funny thing is, he's not. Swiss isn't wrong. We're on a group chat and then Chris is like, opinionated like oh this person's great or like ripping in and i was like do we even know the game like this person's injured mate and this person's taking their spot or they're playing this role so it's funnier it's actually real funny because chris has no fucking idea this year and he's just popping from the hip just bang 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 like i love it i absolutely love it um anyone that thinks that she was going to average more than crips is in for a big hurt so yeah there we go and obviously the free mental bet as well can't wait for that one so Fingers crossed. Also, speaking of bets, not that we are the betting folk, and I definitely don't like to bet much on the line, but West Coast, $1.60 on Bet365 to not make the finals, which is crazy with Dom Sheet out. Gamble responsibly. Gamble responsibly. <laughs> Again, I don't seemed, really... but, but it sounds, oh, mate, it's, yeah, I must admit I did jump on and that. It's just, yeah, with all their injuries and that, the West Coast going to buddy. I keep saying it every podcast, they're fucking shit house. But we are here about to talk about GWS, mate. And yes. uh, Grimo's favorite team because he loves his little jelly gift, as you got to we enjoy so many year. times last oh, year. Jelly. jelly, don't even get me started. Each year, no GWS players, that's the rule. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, what great value. Oh, you got Bruce, you got Whitfield, you got Cornelio, you've got Taranto. It's like all these things. Um, and that's going to be a segue. But each year, we get sucked into these players. And um, look, we're getting sucked in again. So let's talk about. Whitfield, he's 502k. He's a defender. He's great value. Now, this is someone who, yes, has had issues with injury previously, has been knocked out a couple of times previously. But when we look back at the history, he's averaged, you know, high hundreds, even stints of 110. He has the potential. The, you know, the preseason games, he's playing off, you know, where the halfback line has elite kicking, looks good. 
start of last year, he had that kidney issue, so he didn't really have a preseason last year. And uh, I think if he's fit and he's going, then Whitfield is great value and highly owned. You can't turn it down, Swizz, or can you? No, you can't. And unfortunately, because yeah, I think in our finish up to the year last year, I said no GWS players this year, but the highly owned percentage, 43%. Since 2017, he's got 97, 99, 111, 104, and then had the down year last year, 102, but did finish the year off in that semifinal with a 132. So the guy is all class, always has the role, um, beautiful mover of the footy. So he's actually good to watch anyway. Um, it's just been his body for so long, but I think that risk's um, not as high when so many people own a player. Um, yeah, it does worry me when, you know, he's played, yeah, that 2017, 15 games, got the 22 in, then 16, 17, and 15 of the regular season. So you know, unfortunately, he's going to miss games at some point because he just always does. But you hope he does, you know, find a way through majority of them. Or if they're, uh, if he does miss, we've got those uh, defensive rookies playing and, and scoring well that week because, yeah, unfortunately he does. But, yeah, frustrates the shit out of me. But just scores way too good. And, and at that price, 92, there's no reason. 100 to 105, so he's he's undervalued by 8 to 13 points there. Yeah, no, I agree. And... Um... Yeah, again, with these injury-prone players or the ones that have had a bad run, you're better off starting them, if anything. If they're going to school well or they're highly owned, they're the kind of ones you want to start because if he starts banging off and starts going 110, do you know what I mean? You're like, oh, damn, I kind of, I'm getting left behind. I sort of need to bring in Whitfield. Then you bring him in, and if he gets injured, you've burnt two trades, whereas those that started off you know, highly owned, if he doesn't do well, then you're in the same boat as a lot of people, and otherwise you can sort of trade him out at that point. So you should be fine. Yeah, um, that's pretty much how I'm seeing it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we've always said that with injury-prone players, yeah, you don't want to. You have to start them if you, especially somebody like him. And and there's so many people were on him, and even at four hundred, uh, sorry, at five hundred and two, you know, there's not a lot of guys to go down to if he was to pull a string or something in the first couple of rounds. But you still got you know Sicily under him so as a you know you could go down to say georgie hewitt or something so it's not the end of the world at his price but he's um yeah i just think he's just too much value there not to pick yeah i'm with you speaking of too much value not to pick canelio 261k man he looks good when we have a look at you know last year wasn't his year would they even like drop the captain and you know this that and the other but you know he looks fit the preseason hype is literally all about yeah, how he's been performing. So when we have a look at it, yeah, he had a big preseason. They were saying that he, you know, looks fit and he's sharp, sharp with the hands. He's getting his confidence back and he impressed with his contested work, both as a midfielder and as a forward. And then we see him come out in the, uh, was it the trial game and looked good, extremely good, got quite a lot of midfield time. And at his price, I think he has to be probably the biggest lock um, of the forward line. Yeah, if he was any more expensive, he's just not, it wouldn't be a touch because some of it, again, another one that's struggled with injury issues, probably COVID affected him a bit because he couldn't get back to Perth. Anybody who saw that uh, series, uh, the footy series the year before, um, you know, was it Making a Mark? I can't remember the exact name of it, but yeah, he's such a family man. Um, Italian background and that and you know has a close relationship with his mum so it's probably did play on him a bit and then also the captaincy and then the debate about going back to Perth or staying with the GWS so I think there was a lot on his mind and unfortunately yeah combined with the body issues just 
couldn't get himself right last year and even a bit the year before. But the guy has scored 108 and 101, 105 playing midfield. So, you know, even at, again, as we said with Whitfield, at worst, what is, you know, what's he going? 80, 85 at, at worst. And that, like, there's just so much value there at his price. And the, and the problem is, I think most people outside those who probably auto select have him in his team. 65%. He's just a no brainer in the forward line. At, at the minimum, you're looking at at least 150 profit. Like, the, I, I could easily see him getting into the mid fours. I actually think he could push 90 average. You know, I mean, if he's playing well, he could end up actually being someone that you pick up for 260,000. Best case scenario, you actually end up having him as a swing as your you know, F7 and be able to actually swing between your forward line and your midfield if you get really blessed with injuries and everything. I know it's you know hard to say that in an ideal world, but I think he's great coverage and great price. He's going to make you money. He could actually end up being you know an, a possible F6 keeper at a stretch or at least an F7 swing. So I, I, I quite like it. Mate, I'd actually even go higher than that because I've actually seen him in some drafts going inside those top 50 picks. Some people are backing him to be a top five forward this season. And as we said, there's three years there where he's gone over 100. So there's if his body is if he can keep his body right, we know they're going to play him in the guts or a lot of the time in the guts. It seems like Taranto's the one that's going to spend more time forward. So it's, yeah, I, A, that's a no-brainer. But B, yeah, you a lot of people probably bypass him on draft, draft night because so many people are actually going early on him um, so yeah, standard no-brainer draft. Have a look at uh, sort of. It depends on what sort of value you, you can see him getting to. Yeah, no, I agree. Speaking of that, you touch on Taranto. He's a five hundred and twenty-nine thousand dollars forward mid. Um, started off pretty well last year. Hundred point six in the first seven rounds. One hundred three point five in the next eight, and then dropped off like a cliff. Eighty-seven to finish the year. And it's funny because they did say you know expected to play more forward and bit of this and that, but he actually had a lot more mid-time than expected in the trial game just gone. So if he does that again in Amy series here, it is an interesting scenario. Now, a lot of this is probably reliant on, you know, your Hogan's and your Riccardi's and stuff doing well until Toby Green gets back. Because if everything else fails, and they'll be probably trying to look at a couple of these guys to, you know, be able to get some one-on-one contests, which Taranto has been able to do. So I think his role is definitely dependent on a fit forward line. But it's something worth noting that he didn't actually, you know, miss too much midfield time on the weekend. Yeah, exactly. That that was a bit of a surprise because with Green and Daniels out, he just seems the logical one to go forward there because, you know, he's really valuable up in that forward line. And, you know, he's showed in a couple of games last year. I think it was that, uh, was that four goals two he kicked um, against, I think it was against Buddy Us. Um, yeah, yeah, he... He can get forward. He can take a mark. He's you know, being a tall midfielder, you know, scoreboard impact. But it just depends on what they want to do with their rotations. You know, they've got Kelly, Canelio, Hopper, uh, Green. So I don't see – I always see him the one to be pushed out. Uh, but then you never know. They, there might be a case where we're completely missing something here and maybe it's a Hopper or maybe it's Tom Green or maybe it's somebody else who's actually – a chance to pick up dual position and Taranto is the one that they back in in the midfield. Supercoach standard. Yeah, even Callum Ward, yeah. Supercoach standard, I'm not as high on him because I owned him last year and he frustrated the shit out of me. Uh, He's just such a butcher of the ball by foot. 
So if you're an AFL fantasy dream team player, yeah, definitely, because he just racks up that pill at will. But even still, I'd be waiting to see that actual role, and it's probably somebody I'd want to get in later on, possibly. But in Supercoach, yeah, it's it's a no for me at the moment, and I'm happy to wait back and see. And if he goes well, well, good on him. But, yeah, not, not somebody I want to start with. See, if GWS start to play a bit quicker and a bit more, you know, frantic kind of cannonball forward, then they could use a butcher in the midfield. But when you're kicking it to, you know, what Hogan, uh, um, uh, Himmelberg, do you know what I mean? It's, it's going to be a little bit harder. So I, I don't mind it. Um, he did go, I think, under 80 in about one in five games last year as well. So I think he is prone to also drop the old low one. So he could drop a little bit of cash from that point. So... For me, I'll probably more of a wait and see on that one. I think there's so much more value in the forward line. And then others that are playing pure mid, so your butters and your heenies that are actually quite a lot cheaper, what, $70,000 cheaper, $80,000 cheaper. So I think they could probably actually match his output. And there's still lots of value in that forward line. So I'm not really keen on going Cornelia and Taranto and doubling down on the GWS players. So I think I'll just stick with the one and that'll do me for that. So now, can we get this over and done with, Swizz? <laughs> Josh Kelly, 582K. Surprisingly, his actually value started off the first seven rounds in the forward line. Now, if we were playing Supercoach as it's meant to be this year, if it was last year, we would have had Josh Kelly as a forward option by round six. I know, that would have been amazing. And Absolutely. then came out trading... with a 117 average When did you trade eight. him out last week? Ben, well, when did uh, you last trade? Year, let's, I... let's, let's talk about that. When did you trade him out last year? I mean, you can uh, get onto was, all your yeah. stats, mate. He was dropping cash. He was playing forward, and I was like, I'm not having a top. Well, you know, what I mean, I'm not having a midfielder who's not going to be top ten playing in the forward line and just losing me cash and losing me money. And at that point, I think Lockie Neal had bottomed out to a pretty low price. He came back in. And I was like, right, I'll just get on Lockie Neal. He's gotten over his little niggle. He's come back, and Lockie Neal's coming into an easy run of games. And then, obviously, Lockie Neal got, I think, tackled and did a syndesmosis or whatever it was uh, and got injured the same round I brought him in. And then Josh Kelly, obviously, went back into the midfield and started banging out 120s, and then everyone gave me shit for many a weeks. Thank you, Swizz. So there you go. <laughs> it's not all bad, though, because I think I went from him – I mean, it's fairly bad because I went, obviously, I had to – burn multiple trades, but I was like, Lockie Neal, I was like, well, I'm not going back to Josh Kelly. I can tell you that right now. So I think I ended up going and bringing in like Steele. But the issue is I brought in Steele at like 630K or 620K. And then he ended up dropping a few dud scores and got down to about 550. So yeah, there you go. This guy is one, especially in drafts, because in standard, he's only owned by 2%. Now this is his scores since 2017. 113, 113, well, his average is 113, 113, 117, 114, and then the 106 last year. And you'll give the breakdowns, Benny, of like his first seven and then middle and last. But yeah, the second half of the, well, even after from round six, seven last year, he was on fire. So it's surprising that not more people are looking at him. Yes, we know we've had, he's had the body issues in the past, but he really did look over them last year. And yeah, I'd be more than happy to take him in a draft. Um, especially if he's falling in the second round, which I've been seeing in plenty of drafts. So, yeah, no. He could be, yeah, well, that's in a deep league too. He could be third round in quite a lot. And even then, that's a, if you're playing captains, if he's a third round, he's a nice VC option. You know what I mean? That's what I, that's pretty much in drafts. That's kind of what I look for. So I'm like, right, you have your, your captain, your best, you know, and then the VC option. So you're looking at probably reliability ceiling. Third round, you're kind of looking at these guys like a Josh Kelly who are, if they get on a roll, great VC or C options. 
you know, if you say you lose a captain or a, or a vice captain to an injury, then you want a third. You really do want three people with high ceilings if you can get them, which is why I don't mind going and trying to bang out at least, you know, three mids straight away if, if it's a captain op, uh, league. Or if you do go a midfielder and say a position or like a defender or a ruck or something, then you really want to try and get a guy like Josh Kelly or a parish or someone with a high ceiling that can be a nice VC option for you. Yeah, the problem with him compared to a few other premiums, you know, he did drop that 76, 85, 94 in a row last year. But yeah, when he's up and about, those that, that period where he went 129, 111, 132, 102, 122, 147, 101, 103, 118, 109, and then 148 not long after that. Yeah, that guy just loves finding the pill and he's, he's such a great guy to watch. Yep. I'm, I'm with you. I'll, I, even though you hurt me last year, I still love Josh Kelly. You know, it's one of those love-hate relationships. So I definitely would be picking him up in draft leagues if I can. I do like him. Uh, let's round out a little bit now. We're going to touch on Proust because he's the next most relevant player, and then we'll have a bit of a draft uh, draft sprinkling from there. Now, Proust, he is 204K, and the longer things drag on, the more I'm starting to think that he might not be the number one ruck yet. So it's going to be a really interesting one at GWS. Uh, I think it was their... Was it their general manager? So the GM said, you know, it's horses for courses, whether I, you know, whether we have one ruck at times or I can see us using two. Do you know what I mean? So at some point it looks like it'll probably be, you know, Flynn and Proust or Flynn went forward, I think, last year, kicked some goals. I probably think they're probably the main two. Um, Briggs, uh, was it Briggs? Briggs uh, can, also, can also do a role defensive forward or ruck. Um, but for me, it's it's I like my team with Proust in it at 204K, but it could be, sprinkled and riddled with some extremely high doubt. Where do you stand on this, Swizz? Yeah, in standard, I took him out of my side over the weekend. Um, Played know, I, one I quarter. Would, I would rather have him. Like, as an R3, I still wouldn't mind him because I can see the potential as being one of the best cash cows because the scoring potential when he plays is really high. The problem is it's it's the pecking order again. And I know everybody says, oh, well, because of the scoring, he's just got to be the man. But we were talking about last year how, you know, Briggs and Flynn, they'd been, you know, taking their time with, bringing through the knee fall. Flynn and Briggs got to the point where they were just dominating and they are the future now and they seem want to back them in. And I think especially Briggs, they, they see them trying to train them as ruck forwards who can sign a, both play in the same team, where Proust, I think, doesn't allow that, um, that for that setup. So... It's no, going to be really interesting. At Melbourne, and, and I think, he tried. Yeah, and I think it's more the case that you might see Proust play against Grundy, Gorn, Natanui, those better rucks, which are going to expose Flynn and um, and Briggs because, you know, even though they've developed in their body, they're still quite young, where those other games and, and the more mobile ruckmen and your marshals and your Englishes, uh, you're going to definitely see Briggs and Flynn play those games uh, yeah, so I think, as, as you said, they've said it's horses for courses, and I'm really concerned on him. I'm really concerned for myself because I picked him up in a draft league, but then I did handcuff him with, uh, I think it was either Flynn or Briggs. So it's it's probably yeah. one of those ones, if you are playing in a, a league with, say, 10 or 12, and you like to, um, you know, fade the rucks, if you can get one or two of them, or if you've got a deep bench and you can put Bruce on field and put Flynn as your... Um, bench ruck, well, that's going to save you a lot of headaches because, yeah, once one's out, you can just bring the other one back in. 
So the thing is as well is that um, in the some of the intra clubs, Flynn was jumping all over Proust. So some, that's kind of when it got flagged to me a little bit. And then when the uh, trial game came along, Flynn was playing the ruck and then Proust came in late, you know, for a quarter. And I think they might have even had uh, six quarter games. So he came in, didn't play much, which is either he wasn't fit enough or was injured and they're kind of nursing him back in because they haven't really told us a whole heap. Um, shock horror, GWS uh, to a T. But it is interesting, and I think that's a, a good um, case that you make because they might come up against some of these bigger body rucks. Bruce is more of that kamikaze kind of Mumford, bash and crash style ruckman. So they might say, right, this is your job against these other guys. I want you to run in there. I want you to crash. I want you to smash. I want you to you know, put a little bit of pressure on and put your body on the line, and then we'll give you a rest. And then those martial types, they don't need a big, a slower, big crash and type player because they're like, okay, well, now we need a bit of flexibility and we need sort of mobility and then we'll get Flynn running and jumping and following up a bit more. And it is definitely a consideration. And for me, I think if, if um, depending on Lysette's ankle tweak or whatever, Hayes for Port is definitely in line to be number one if Lysette doesn't perform or he doesn't get up from injury, etc. And he could still average you 80-odd, hopefully. You know, they definitely rate him except he's a lot cheaper. He's $80,000 cheaper. So I'm kind of keeping an eye on it. This weekend at the Amy series is definitely going to tell us a big story and a whole bunch of teams are going to be going, oh, shit, what am I going to do? Because my team looks great and it's set, except for the fact that I've got Pruce here. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, for sure. And Pruce is still 30% owned. So yeah. it's a lot of coaches and a lot of coaches banking on him being there are too because that's how they want to structure up. And you just got no confidence. Uh, it's got to be the R3 discussion as is he the best rookie in this rookie price player in it? Cause obviously he's not rookie age, but you can't start him as R2. There's just way too many questions about it. Yeah. I'd have to see a really compelling performance from this weekend as him as the number one ruck, which I can't really see because in preseason they probably want to split the time anyway. So mm. yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, okay. Let's get into some draft relevancy now. So let's have a look. Uh, obviously, you know, Hopper, Callum Ward, you're probably picking them around what you expect. Um, Ward definitely did improve and then tailor off, but 93 average, I think it's give or take as to what you get there. Tom Green, some people are expecting maybe a bit of a breakout year for him. Not sure I see it, um, especially when he averaged 93, started off strong with a 97 average and then actually reduced each um, third of the season. So in the middle period, he went down in average and in the last third, he went down again. Doesn't really scream consistency yet. I could, if you're keen, then I could see that um, Toby Green missing the first five rounds or so, which means he's definitely a sleeper. If you're really happy with your teams and the forward line drops off and you have to try and pick out between maybe him and a Dixon or something like really horrible, then maybe throw a, yeah, a Toby Green on your bench. Um, at least he'll be sort of fit by that point. So I don't mind it if it's forward lines drop off and you're really I'm, I'm going to uh, correct stretched. you there, Benny. Unfortunately, I've actually Six been seeing people pick him yeah, but but no, no that. But people are actually picking him still early, and that they're like, well, you know, I'll oh. take the I'll take the loss for the first four rounds. I want Toby Green. I can't believe how early he's still going in drafts. So I thought, oh yeah, Don't I'll just early. pick him up late. Yeah, and so many yeah. people just go, no, I'm still going to pick this guy, uh, and, I, and I don't think he scores as well as some of those players. Like there's a re like, yeah, we all know what Toby Green can do, but. If you're going to miss that much footy at the start, no different to Whitfield last year. It takes your time to get back in. So I can't believe people are picking him up as their number one or two forward. Like, why? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. If you can get him at value, then yes. Otherwise, there's no point in having a 90 average player sitting there for the first sort of five rounds or whatever. Uh, big one, uh, Lucky Ash is interesting. He's 413K, defender mid. Now, the reason it's interesting 
right? So he started off, I think, first seven rounds last year, averaging 91. Then again, tailored off and tailored off each third. So again, young bodies, young players tends to happen. But they did say Ward came out and said he's in really good shape and thriving after spending more time in the midfield group. So for me, I'm kind of watching Lockie Ash this weekend to see if he does get a little bit of rotations through because if he gets a little bit of a better role, then that natural progression is a little bit more favorable. And instead of you him you know, getting you a 75 average, he could actually push you out to you know an 85 or at, you know closer to a 90-odd. So for draft leagues, I'm looking at Lockie Ash just based on if he gets that role, natural progression, I think he could go 80-plus or 85 in draft leagues, which is all you need. The more players yeah. you can get at that 75 average late – and hope for like a 10-point buffer because 85 in a draft league is fine, in particularly deep draft leagues. Um, 85 average, you're looking, it's good. And if it gets to 90, then you're laughing even more because you've got so much value there. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely somebody I've been targeting in draft leagues. Um, him and his mate Isaac Cumming, he had more of the breakout than what Ash did last year, but yeah, Ash was kind of on track with that. But, you know, he's only played 30 games, same with his buddy, um, who's played 32. So both of them, young halfbacks, um, they've, they've taken over those roles that, you know, Heath Shaw used to have. And uh, I've got a lot of confidence picking them up in draft. Um, Cummings going a lot more high because of that 92, but I think, yeah, they probably both balance each other out this year around that 85 mark, um, 85 to 90. So, yeah, I'm, uh, there's a lot more value in Ash than obviously there is Cummings. So I'd um, definitely jump on if you can get him. Yes, and I'm with you. Uh, any other people that you're keeping an eye on at this point in time, Swizz? There's um, not that many, I don't think. Any Smokies? Um, I, I guess you you can't distra- um, discount Nick Hades in, yeah. um, in 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 draft, and that is somebody he's falling, you know, a lot further down, and has shown before that he's got that you know intercept marking scoring potential down there. Um, yeah, you know, I'd avoid Jake Riccardi. He frustrated me last year and he was meant to have that wing role that he was practicing in the knee for. And then that just, you know, he he got it for a couple of games and looked awful. So they're not going to go with him. Um, Finn we did Callahan, say with Green out though. With, with Green out though, yeah, Riccardi and he's kind of playing play forward. For, forward. He so kicked three just, goals in the trial game. So they said, you know, that basically they were doing the role that he was hoping for. Kick three goals in the trial game. But still, um, I don't want that in my draft team. No. And even no. then, when Green comes back in, was he going to be out of the side? Maybe. You don't know. Yeah, yeah definitely. In, in your keepers, Finn Callahan. If uh, you're starting a brand new keeper, it's one of those things everybody talks about. You know your Dacoses and Horn Francis and Ward because they're the you know the fresh guys for this year. But Callahan, you know, is pick two. Um, so some people kind of forget about last year's, and it was funny because I was talking to somebody in a keeper league the other day, and we're talking about you know Ugo Hagen and Callahan and those sort of guys, um, and how yeah they were just falling way further down because they're just not fresh in people's mind. So definitely somebody to target in a keeper league. Yep. And also seeing uh, Jacob Ware just um, in general, I'm just kind of having a look in general. Uh, was he a running defender? So if they're going to be pushing some of these other players forward or into the midfield, then it could open up. He played some sample in 2020, classy left footer. So I'm just kind of a light touch, maybe not now, but maybe throughout the season we'll see how he goes. But um, keep an eye out, I guess. And that's it. That wraps up GWS. Thank you. Very much a little bit more draft relevancy and standard, particularly standard for GWS. Um, And as they always say, and as we say each year, choose at will and choose selectively. Don't have too many GWS players in your side. No, exactly. And they just seem to frustrate every year. And I'm sure we'll pick them, Benny, as we do every year. And we'll come back at the end of the season like, why the fuck did I pick these GWS players? But it always happens, mate. Yep. 
I agree. Could be worse. Could be uh, West Coast players this year. So that's it from us. Um, we'll catch you next time. And I think we're doing who comes after GWS? Hawthorne next. Hawthorne, and they're a yeah. basket of um, unknown at this point. But we'll get into that. We'll catch you next time. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> The C is for the courage I possess through the drama. H is for the hurt, but it's all for the honor. A is for my attitude, working through the patience. Money comes and goes, so the M is for motivation. Gotta stay consistent, the P is to persevere. The I is for integrity, innovative career. The O is optimistic, open and never shut. And the N is necessary, cause I'm never giving up. See, they ask me how I did it, I just did it from the heart. Crushing the competition, been doing it from the start. They say that every champion is all about his principles. Carry. 